Good morning. Did you notice the uh, short? The podium's short? I think it's reflecting some of us are far-sighted and others are near-sighted. Hey, I'm glad to be back here. This feels like a warm coat to come and share uh, God's Word with you today. Just to give you an, a report and update um, of what God is doing, um, Mark and I, as you most of you know, have been down in Creed um, the last few months, uh, tag-teaming a church down there that's in transition, and um, we've been blessed to, to preach and teach there and um, to help them through their process of transition and finding a new pastor. Um, there's currently 11 churches in the, um, our association that are without pastor, and, and please be praying for them as they uh, um, go through, uh, for some, it's a very difficult process, for others, um, a, a better one uh, that moves them to a new place, as we did here at Obi Joyful. Um, also, to give you an update of the ministries along with that, um, I have continued in the ministries here at the church with prayer, as God has uh, helped direct me in that and encouraged me in that, and to let you know that what prayers you don't put on the website um, for public, and you still want someone to be praying for you um, on a regular basis, leave a note up in my office, which is Cindy Chamberlain's old office now, and put it in an envelope, and I will put you on a regular prayer time. If you would like me to come with you at any point and pray with you, I would love to do that. Um, that's going to be one of our 2014 development of prayer ministry, as Scott would have direct us in. Um, so I've been able to get to preach and teach and, and counsel and pray so far, and I'm excited with that, and God's blessed um, um, that process, and I'm Excited to be back here. Excited to be right here. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you and praise you as we come into a Thanksgiving um, season, a week, to reflect and to think back of the wonders of your goodness in our lives. Yay. Yea, unto you. Praise you. To gather together as friends and family and to break bread together. To have a time of worship. And I think of um, Peter who said, I, I want to remind you of the good things of God. Holy Spirit, would you remind us as the one who brings to remembrance all the teachings of Christ, who bring to remembrance to us your word, the good things you have done, the Father and the Son have done, especially the work of Jesus on the cross. Help us to remember that this week in a particular way as we focus in in thanksgiving. We thank you for this time and this word. And Acts, we thank you for what Scott has been bringing us through Acts. Continue to anoint him and bless him as he leads us. And thank you for the privilege that I have this morning 
to continue uh, this ministry in your word. We thank you and we trust you. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to wrap up um, Acts this morning. And we're going to be entering into the Advent season starting next week. And, um, and then I believe Scott has indicated that after Christmas, he'll have another series um, related to the, to the core values of will be joyful. So my work today is to, to kind of give us a recap and an overview again of acts of, of where God has used Scott to bring us in the understanding of, of um, three things, if we can recall, three things that have been at work over the last few months. And that has been the outpouring and the workings of the Holy Spirit, Yay. And that work that he brought through his followers to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then thirdly, to establish his church. To create a foundation through the teachings of the apostles and the working of the Holy Spirit. A foundation there for the establishment of the church. Both universal, throughout the world, and local. Those three things have been a continuous theme at work. The Spirit, the witness, and the church. Okay? And those are the first 12 chapters of, of Acts. And creating a foundation. And from there, then, we, we create a transition, um, as we've seen, that um, those works have been more local, mostly in Jerusalem, beginning to expand out into Judea to the south, and then Samaria to the north. And here in chapter 13, we're going to look a little bit, there's a new working of the Spirit to push then those believers out into the ends of the earth. Interesting. Interesting, um, well, that's another thought of interest. What I want to do to begin is to take us through kind of a, a very quick um, recapping of the working of the Spirit primarily, and that's my focus this morning, for us to consider the works and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because the witnessing and the establishment of the church are incidental to the primary focus of what I believe Acts is about is that of the Holy Spirit. Because the, the book is often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Establishment of the Church. But even more often, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the promise of Christ Jesus to his followers, and to this world that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go through these 12 chapters, kind of picking out verses. Now, out of the first 12 chapters, there's only two verses, or two chapters, that did not contain something about the Holy Spirit, but it's directly implied either by the previous chapter or the following one. So uh, these 12 chapters, um, 10 of them, have some sort of reflection in the working of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to kind of shoot through these, boom, 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 and if... um, Chris, you can 
begin by bringing Acts 1-8 up there. And here is the first, the, the, the ministry of the promise of the Holy Spirit that we started off with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in chapter 1, we had the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise, okay, of this uh, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then in chapter 2, we have its fulfillment, fulfillment with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Chapter 3, whoops, no chapter 3, chapter uh, 4, we have... You know, there's Peter and John at work, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together along with the saints, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Chapter 5. But Peter said to Ananias, and this is that crazy story about these this husband and wife who purposed in their heart to give to the Lord, but they held back some. And it was the Holy Spirit who brought conviction and, and, and revelation about that uh, out of the heart of them. He says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart and you lied to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds um, of the land. Chapter 6. And therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. This is the choosing of what uh, eventually would become deacons. Among seven men of good repute, what were they? Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty of taking care of widows so that the apostles then could keep themselves to the ministry of the word, ministry of the word, and to prayer. There's two big things there. Our next chapter 7, but he... Uh oh, trying to remember who he is. Mark, who's he? Or Scott, who's he here? But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into. Ah, this is Stephen. Thank you very much for the reminder. This is Stephen. You remember? Uh, Stephen was one of the seven. Philip and Stephen are two of the seven that are brought um, into great filling of the Holy Spirit. These were men filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were, they were to uh, minister the gospel and, and bring a witness, and primarily to the Jews. Because this was the beginning of the church, that the outpouring was first to the Jew and then also to the Gentile, which is coming up. But Stephen here, he's, he's given an opportunity to be a, a witness and a testimony to the Jews. And he tells the story, and he calls these, the people he speaks to a stiff-necked people, always resisting the Holy Spirit. But here, but he was, uh, right before he was stoned, he was uh, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and in that powerful moment, he gloried in his relationship with Christ and giving glory to the Father, proceeded to get stoned. Don't ever think that the power of the Holy Spirit keeps you from, because as Scott brought to us, um, the working of the Holy Spirit in context of the books of Acts is very purposeful. Okay, very purposeful. There's three things that the Holy Spirit in purpose was brought uh, into presence in Acts here, and it's fulfillment of the promise of the Father and the Son. The first is the baptism with the Spirit. Remember John said it, and Jesus says, it's a time you, you have been baptized with water, but then you'll be baptized 
in fire or with the, with the Holy Spirit. So there's a baptism of the Spirit. One, the purpose for bringing to this world the followers of baptism, and that is a full immersion. Baptism means baptismo to be immersed in. So this is where the Holy Spirit is coming to completely immerse himself into us and with us. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon us, and now Christ says, you know, you're going to go and wait for the promise, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. That is the full immersion of the Holy Spirit. Not partial, complete, whole. And he would be with us in eternity, and you can onto eternity, a sealing, and you look in the Ephesians and Corinthians about the sealing, secure of his presence forever with us and in us. A baptism. The second is that he would empower for us to be witnesses, a witness, a baptism, a witness, and you shall be witnesses. And the third work is an enablement. An empowering presence. So those three, those are very purpose-driven works of the Holy Spirit at this time in the history of the, um, of the Word. Powerful. Now, these things are all going on also by the Holy Spirit at other times. But this is a very purpose book here. As Scott has brought to us, that the Holy Spirit has purposed these things for us, the church. The enablement, the third thing, was the enablement so that the church would be founded and built upon for Christ, this establishment of the church. And maybe there's four things, but the, the, you could, there's a lot of things the Holy Spirit's doing. So back onto the, what was that last one? And Stephen is, is um, given this Holy Spirit um, as he looks up into heaven full of the Spirit. Chapter, let's go to chapter 8. We get back to this shotgun or not this shooting of the workings of the Spirit and Acts. And then um, you remember the story of Philip, uh, another one of the seven, who um, was ministering to the Samaritans. And he had a blessed ministry, and God st- grabbed him by the working of the Holy Spirit and said to him to go meet with this eunuch. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot where the Ethiopian eunuch would be. And it's a powerful. In all these workings, you're going to see, you see this continuous progression from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. You've got to point that out. There's a continuous progression from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. From Jerusalem to Judea, now here in Samaria. And he moves Philip from Samaria with an opportunity to the ends of the earth in this eunuch because the eunuch was from Ethiopia. And all of the gospels are going to be catapulted down into Africa. Let me take you back to chapter 1 with this progressive thing. There is a progression of the Holy Spirit in the outpouring and for this um, baptism, this witness, this um, enablement and the foundation of the church um, is in progression from the very beginning. And there's a sense of God's always at work kind of all at once, but then he unfolds himself progressively likewise. In chapter 1 or chapter 2, it said that there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit And it said, um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's that enablement, empowering. Look at this next verse. Now they they were staying in Jerusalem. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now I want you to catch this. 
So when Peter began to stood up and he preached, he didn't preach to Jerusalem only. He was preaching to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the known world at the time. There was people there from Egypt, from Asian Minor, all the way up into Rome and Southern Europe. Whoa! The word, people had come to Jerusalem. Peter preached to all of them who then went where? Back home and took a witness. So right from the very beginning, there's this inclusive work of the Holy Spirit, and then there's an unfolding work of the Holy Spirit. They does it little by little because the preaching outside of this immediate uh, context went to those of Jerusalem. And then, and then there's this movement to Judea and then up into Samaria. And then we saw Peter going into Cornelius' home up in Caesarea, which is to the east and north again. It's a progressive outworking. But he does it also simultaneously. You ever see him do that in your life? There's some things he brings to us right away, and then there's things he unfolds. I was saved right away, and salvation unfolded in my life. Can you identify with that? You were saved, and then you've been saved ever since. Both are true. Chapter 8 shows this progression. So we have a chapter 8. Did I already read that one? Yes, this, this is progression going in the scattering. The first part of chapter 8 talks about the scattering of the church because of persecution. And that's an interesting concept, a message of its own. Acts 9, conversion of Paul, but also... And, and so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and the peace was being built up um, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. This followed the story of Paul and the ministries of the Spirit at work in the church and, and establishing it. And then in chapter 10, what do we have in chapter 10? And while Peter was pondering the vision, remember Scott brought us the message about Peter's being given this vision. And the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. And this began uh, a very change of the focal point ministry of the Holy Spirit to catapult it into the Gentile community, uh, further and outside to the ends of the earth. Chapter 12, we miss... Or um, Is there anything in there? Chapter 11, yeah. Last week's message, Barnabas. For he was a good man, and I believe that uh, Scott ministered in this word last week, was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord um, uh, at that time. So here's the individual ministry of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, we're going to take us to chapter. There's nothing in chapter 12 explicit. Did you see that? Boom, 10 chapters out of 12. The Spirit is always at work. The people change. The places change. The Spirit was the same. So you tell me what the focus is of those 12 chapters. Is it what the Spirit did or that he was present in who he is? Or maybe it's both. But it's in chapter 13, as we came out of chapter 12, but the Word of God continued to increase and spread. Um, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, because when they teamed up together, they were sent out, I think it was alluded to last week, and they were sent out to minister uh, famine back in... 
um, the churches in Judea. And they did that. And it was a task that they were given. They came back to a church in Antioch, which is on just northeast on the, or northwest of Jerusalem on the coast. And there, there this church began to thrive, became one of the largest um, Gentile-based churches um, in the known world at that time. And there was at Antioch that this Barnabas, this, this encourager, and this man Saul, who we saw back in chapter 9, was converted um, and became Paul, Saul of Tarsus. So when Barnabas, in the end of chapter 12, and when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, I'm sorry, to Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. And in the church at Antioch, um, there were prophets. And so I'm going to point out here the continued ministry of the Spirit. In the church of, at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with the Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were, as I say, worshiping the Lord and fasting, and just to add there, fasting is never done without praying, so it's implied fasting and praying. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and did what? Sent them off. And herein, in these few verses, is the beginning of an incredible um, three missionary journey catapulted through these two guys, Barnabas and and Paul into the Gentile community beyond Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and now into the known world, the ends of the earth. Whoa. Quick overview. Now I just want to share some four or five observations, four or five observations related to this ministry of the Holy Spirit that we can glean from these 13 chapters, 12 chapters, and a few verses in 13 related to the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? The outworking of the Holy Spirit in human beings. And the first, in my observations, is that the working workings of the Holy Spirit, as I already said, is purpose-driven and fulfilling the will of the Father and the will of the Son. In bringing witnesses of the saving grace of God found through his Son, Jesus the Christ. And that as to as many who would believe upon his name, the right to become children of God would be established for the forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, and to become the spiritual children of God. The Spirit is purpose-driven by the Father and the Son. And secondly, that the establishment of the church on the foundations of the teachings of the apostles, with Christ as the cornerstone, is established both universal and local. The workings of the Holy Spirit are ministered through people 
and happen in events in real time, but are incidental to the person of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God at work through the people in real place, in real time. That the common ingredients of the working of the Holy Spirit in the early church context are found in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Those three things are common. And if you look through those 12 chapters again, you'll see those three things common, repeated over and over, a baptism, an immersion in, for him to be very present in everyone's life. There is a filling. Well, what's the filling? What's the difference between the filling and the baptism? The filling becomes where the individual who has been baptized now surrenders to that presence and says, yes, Lord. In Ephesians, Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What does alcohol do to us? It, it, it causes us to, it controls us, but it was by choice we let it control us. And so there's this liking like, oh, the Spirit of God, He's present. Release and let the Spirit control you. Be filled. And when that happens, then things happen by the Spirit in our lives when we surrender and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing is that commonly that there was this enablement and empowerment to preach the gospel, to be witnesses, to lay down their lives. Stephen. And eventually all the apostles for the gospel. These all established in the gospel and the foundation of the church, universal and local. Another observation that the workings of the Holy Spirit that through the person of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and Son transforms, transforms He calls, he quips, and he empowers to be witnesses of the gospel of Christ and to be a part of the foundation of the church, universal and local. And lastly, that is consistently seen throughout this early working and outpouring of the Spirit, that his manifestation, his manifestation takes place when people are gathered together in what? At least two things. Worship, of which a primary thing with that worship is prayer and fasting. Worshiping God in songs and hymns like we do here. Fasting and prayer and earnestly seeking him so that the rewards of the ministry of the Holy Spirit will be manifested through those who do that gathering together for the furthering of the gospel to save a lost world. Scott has been encouraging us to consider our community in light of this message that was written thousands of years ago. Not only the ministry to our community whom God loves and who has sent a gospel for them, because he sent it for you, but he sent it for them also. And now through you, through OB Joyful, the church, through you individually, the believer, he wants to catapult you into both a all-at-once bringing the gospel and a progressive 
unfolding of your witness to your hometown, to your family. I have a son. I have a guess. I have a son in New Zealand. And the ministry of the gospel has gone to New Zealand through him. And guess where he was raised? Right here in this church. And you all had an influence in his life. And now the gospel has gone out from this little church to kind of like the ends of the earth from here. we surrendered ourselves to this ministry of the Spirit, third person of the triune God, if we would dare to cry out and say, Holy Spirit, you know, apart from Jesus the Christ, I can't do anything. I really have no power in and of myself. I can think I do. I can feel like I do. And I can look at some of my actions and think, ah, there's the working. But no, it says apart from you, it can do nothing. But through you and in you and by you, all things are possible. And they're made possible through the one who Jesus the Christ sent his spirit unto you, unto this church. To make this church purpose-driven for the glory of God, to the furthering of the gospel and the building up of the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. As we can see, um, this third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. We see you, Holy Spirit, ministering, being the fulfillment of the promise of Christ and of the Father. We see you baptizing, filling us and enabling. Then and now. We pray that that continues and that you do that work through this church that you empower Scott to continue to lead the church in a purpose-driven way that follows after your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would seek you first in all these things, first. And being a witness, first. And building up the local church, we keep you first and foremost. And Jesus, that we glorify you in all things through the Spirit whom you have given as a gift and a promise to all who believe. Amen and amen. Scott's going to come and lead us in communion. So we join together. Thanks, Jim. Uh, so this morning, as we uh, take a moment to reflect on the time that uh, just preceded the special arrival of the Holy Spirit. I want to just uh, take a moment of silence together. We'll just bow our heads and just um, try to put ourselves in that place where uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples uh, and, and preparing them for these last moments he'll have with them. But then he is uh, telling them about the coming of the Spirit and how that will change everything. So... Uh, I think there was, as Jim mentioned, this, this time of anticipation that these people were in. And even when they came to the time of, uh, the, uh, of Pentecost, they were in anticipation of the Spirit. So if you will, let's just take a moment silently and then I'll lead us to uh, ask, ask God to give us uh, 
an intense sense of anticipation for his spirit as we remember the, the work that Jesus did. So, Father, we do come before you now. We just take a moment and anticipate your work through the Spirit. And even as the disciples did not know what they were anticipating exactly, especially in the sacrifice of Jesus, God, together at the table, they, they bowed and they prayed with Jesus and they had this meal. And so, Lord, as we prepare to take this meal and remember what he did for us, where we do that in a sense of anticipation for what will happen after. So let us uh, now move in our hearts as we sit with you just for a moment. As we pray, put yourself in the place of the disciples sitting there at the table as Jesus is presenting them with this bread and this cup. Lord, we, and now as we come forward in just a moment to take these elements, we remember what Jesus did for us. Uh, the disciples were looking forward to something. They didn't know what it was. And God, I, I pray that even as we take this, we look forward to what you will do and what your spirit will do in and through us. Lord, whether it be healing and restoration and reconciliation that we need now or delivering that healing and hope and restoration to our community and to this world, Lord. Uh, let, it, let it impact us there. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are going to help with this. Come forward. And, um, just ask you if you're a believer this morning to feel free to come forward and take these elements and then return to your seat and we'll take them together. So if you will, uh, come forward at your convenience. But you remain the same 
Rock of ages, I praise your name. Rock of ages, you have brought me near. You have poured out your life, blood, your love, your tears. To make this stone heart come alive again. Rock of ages, forgive my sin. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. Bind your children until the kingdom comes. Rock of ages, your will be done. Rock of ages, when in want or rest, my desperate need for such a Savior I confess. Pull these idols out from my heart's embrace. Rock of ages, I need your grace. Rock of ages, broken, scorned for me. Who am I that you would die to set me free? To give me glory, you took the death and pain. Rock of ages, my offering. Rock of ages, rock of ages, bind your children until the kingdom comes, rock of ages, your will be done. Father, we, uh, we're just humbled that you, would, uh, that you would send your Son, that you would give him willingly for us, and then that you would not leave us alone, but you would fill us with your Spirit, that you would give us a, a purpose for life, a reason, and that reason would be in you. Lord, uh, God, as we take these elements in a moment, we just... We anticipate what you will do in and through us, through your spirit. Lord, we are, we're humbled. And we, just, we just bow before you in this. And Lord, we remember that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to those close followers of his. And he said, eat this, take this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the wine and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Drink it 
in remembrance of me. So we do that now, Lord. God, we, uh, we go out now. We, come, we go together as we, uh, as we have fellowship, just like the early church did. And God, then we step out the doors of this building into this community. May we be a blessing. Lord, may we know deeply your blessing in us, and your, may your spirit move to give us the empowerment to know both of those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, y'all.